Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From the Boston Globe, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. We have a, we had we always had kind of a weird dynamic, man, where, you know, we were ultra tight in like an environment where, you know, she was um from the Midwest. Um she was out in New England by herself. I was from the South and I was up here by myself, so it was a very, very, like, 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 tight connection. This is my friend Julian. Years ago, he meets this girl at a cookout. Later, they're reintroduced at a restaurant. They talk, get to know each other. She tells him her favorite musical group is Outkast. Julian is skeptical because he's been following Outkast, like, physically, following them everywhere for years. How well could this woman actually know them, he wonders. So he puts her through this weird, probably mansplainy test. So he says to her, what's your favorite outcast song? There's probably a wrong answer to this question, at least to him. But she says, Southern playlist to Cadillac music. It's the right answer. She passes his test. Julian is hooked. Yeah, that was, that was my first concept of like true love and, you know, having somebody around that appreciates you for who you are and kind of being head over heels and always want to be around somebody and, you know, all the cool stuff that comes with it. You know what I'm saying? Apple picking and all that dope stuff. So. You picked apples? Hell yeah. Like, we were picking apples. She was scoring baseball games. Like, we did everything, bro. We did as, we did as much as we could. As, as all, went to carnivals and fairs and rode fairs wheels and scalped, like, you know, those little, like, tokens you get at the fair, the tickets you get at the fair. We scalped them. It was, we were, we were thick as thieves. After three and a half or four years, though, things begin to fall apart. He's still in his 20s. Julian's like, can I really be in a committed relationship with this person? So I, so I told her. And uh, I told her I thought we should, uh, we should break up because this was where I was at. And it's not cool. Uh, so we did. That was that. But Julian says it was hard to live with the choice he'd made, the choice to end things. Okay, but then did you actually turn to her and say, I have made the wrong decision and I want to undo it? That's a good question. I think we talked a lot about, like, like I wasn't sure if this was the right thing. Like, this is a lot, it's a lot of moving parts, though, right? Like, she was moving to D.C. I was staying here. It was like, it wasn't so clean cut. The years that follow are anything but clean. Julian and his ex attempt to get back together multiple times over a number of years. How many times did you try to get back together? How many, oh, um, like, how many years are we talking about? Because I know there were times. I mean, um, I would say the last time we probably, like, really tried to be together was probably, like, three years ago, four years ago now. Like, you know, like, there's, like, this real weight where it's just, like, you can't overcome history. You know what I mean? You can't overcome, like, 
the the sum of the things you've done and shit. So I will say this. No matter how bad or, or how ugly or how messy um things ever were, I always valued um appreciating the good things. You know what I mean? Uh, and then you just gotta keep living. You've got to keep living. So in my column, I get asked all the time from commenters and letter writers, will I ever get back together with my ex? And this is a totally natural thing to think about. Sometimes I tell people that, yeah, maybe someday you will get back together. But maybe I shouldn't say that. If you're always wishing for someday, can you really ever get over someone? I wonder if even having these wishes halts the process of bouncing back from a breakup. In Julian's story, even though he instigated the breakup, I do think he spent years entertaining the thought that there would be a later with this woman. But all that really did was make it harder for him to get past that relationship and imagine a new life for himself. I wanted to chat with my sister Brett about this because I know she has strong opinions about couples who want to get back together. After her breakups, she's always been done, like no looking back. As she said once in an earlier episode, cold turkey, cut it off. My thought as an advice columnist, mm -hmm. after reading so many letters from people who are like, but I think we can get back together, or <laughs> I'm holding out hope that we can get back together, or maybe I shouldn't even date other people because really, we're going to get back together. I want people to forget that hope. How realistic is it to tell someone that they have to accept right off the bat that they're not getting back together with that person? I don't think they're going to buy it. But... It's good to be able to say the likelihood is that you're not going to get back together with this person. And the even greater likelihood is that if you do, it's better that you don't get back together for a long time so that you both can grow and see if you grow together as opposed to growing more apart. But if you're holding out for that. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you plan to don't accept the loss, get over it and then get back together? You can't do that. That's not the goal. The goal it's in other words, you're basically saying if you get back together now or shortly, you're probably doing both of you a disservice. But if you get back together much later, there's a lot of life to be lived between now and then. And that's super duper important. Live your life. If you end up reconnecting in the future, Okay, but leave that up to the universe. Like, that is not for you to control. So I guess the only way you're going to get back together is if the universe really wants you to. My name is Patricia Dawn Montgomery, and I live in Portland. And I, I, I've lived there most of my life. And... Uh, I have a bunch of kids, wonderful children. Patricia Montgomery is 85 years old. For most of her life, she's lived in Portland, Oregon. For 25 years, she was married to a man named Dick Montgomery. They were married at Piedmont Presbyterian Church on June 10, 1955. First of all, he was really good looking. He had beautiful blue eyes and a wonderful sense of humor. 
They go on to have five children. Patricia stays home to care for them. Dick pursues a career, first in a newspaper, and then he gets into advertising. Advertising turns out to be a bad fit for Dick. First of all, he hates it. But the culture isn't good for him either. It makes his drinking problems worse. And this begins to cause serious problems in his marriage. And I, I didn't know how to live with it. I wanted him to take my hand and just say, I love you and uh, I'll stay with you and we'll be fine. And he never did. For many years, the family lives like this. But once Patricia reaches her 40s, she's had enough and she makes a decision. She wants a divorce. She leaves Dick and moves to California, alone. At this point, some of the kids are already out of the house and off at college. A few stay back with Dick at home. Abandoning her marriage feels like the only choice there is. I was really hurt, really hurt. I cried a lot and felt sorry for myself. And then I went to a therapist and they said, he has to have a, he has to have a life and you have to have a life. And it may not be together, but you have to let go of it. So the story could have ended there. A relatively common saga of divorce, a family broken apart, two people going their separate ways. But it doesn't end there. In order to tell the rest of Patricia's story, I called up her daughter, Dee Dee Montgomery. Hi, Dee Dee. Hi. I asked Dee Dee about her memories of her parents when she was younger. My father drank, and my mother didn't, really. And I was attuned to the arguing that would happen sometimes at night after he'd been drinking. I, I guess I would say I started to blame him for the problems that we had because I associated them with the smell of alcohol. Didi says that when her mother turned 40, it went beyond the drinking and the marriage problems. Her mom went into this mental place where she longed for independence and personal growth, separate from her husband. I don't know if he begged her to stay or not. I know that he did not want her to leave, and they had tried counseling, uh, and yet she still left. So I think he was very sad about that. Can you, can you speak about how bad it got where there were moments where you had really noticed how this was affecting the marriage? Weekdays, um, hearing him drive up, knowing he'd been out, later realizing he'd been out drinking, and hearing while I was in bed my parents arguing, and then my mom would slam the door and go on a walk. And so, like a lot of kids who grow up with alcoholics, I, you know, in doing my own self-analysis later, you know, I didn't understand how to deal with conflict. My idea of conflict settling, or at least what I'd seen, was a door slam and two people go their own ways because they can't figure it out. So for me, that was mostly what my memories are. I was surprised, and I was, I was, I was sad. I had hoped that they would be able to figure it out. In California, Dee Dee's mother goes to school and studies Eastern religion. She actually does a lot of the things we talked about on an earlier episode, the one about breakup accomplishments. She does a lot. Dick reinvents himself, too. He moves out of the family house. He even remarries. He leaves advertising. 
And he makes an even bigger change. My father did stop drinking. He was very clear about that. Patricia and Dick Montgomery, after their divorce, had both grown. And they'd grown on their own, apart. But over time, the distance between them began to shrink, and then shrink some more, especially when Dick's subsequent marriage ended after three years. I was living in Seattle in graduate school and was pretty serious about my own today um, husband. We were living together, and I understood that my parents had reconnected. One of my brothers had suggested some counseling to just help them heal the past. But during that experience, as I started hearing a few, basically phone conversations, I did predict that they were getting back together. I'm pretty certain I called one of my brothers and said, I think, you know, I think this is happening. At one point, Dee Dee's parents both visited her in Seattle at the same time. I have a very funny story. My husband and I, we were living in our house in Seattle, and my parents were both visiting for some reason at the same time, but not, they weren't together like that, as far as I understood. And my husband and I went to a movie, and we, for whatever reason, it was sold out, or we got the time wrong, and we came back to our house early, and we noticed my parents quickly came out of the, kind of down the stairs from the upstairs of the house where a bedroom was, and they looked a little disheveled. And I remember teasing them, Mom, Dad, what are you doing? And they were laughing. And that, to me, confirmed my suspicions that they were going to get back together. I mean, were you 100% psyched, or did you have concerns I was, about... No, I was 100% psyched. Patricia and Dick Montgomery got married in 1955 and spent 25 years together. They were divorced for eight full years. And then, in 1988, they got married again in a rose garden in a Portland park. I think it's a remarkable story. And I truly believe if they hadn't had that time apart, they never would have gone another 26 years in marriage until my father died in 2014. The Oregonian ran a story about them in July of 1992. The article cited an interesting fact. Only 1% of divorced couples remarry. I think my letter writers, when it comes down to it, are really hoping for... Uh, a rekindling, that they're hoping to get back together, that what they're really asking, not they're really not asking me, how do I get over it? They're asking, how can I undo this breakup? Can you speak about what it is your parents share that made it possible? I mean, not everybody is meant to get back together with someone. I do believe deep down, my parents loved spending time together. And I think that for my parents, part of the requirement for being back together was that they both accepted that it was both of them. And they needed to forgive themselves and forgive each other and work together to be a couple that second round. They both became more forgiving. 
I've always realized how rare it was that my parents did remarry. It's remarkable. It sounds like if I have to put this into the form of some prescriptive advice for the dumped, for the broken up with and the brokenhearted um, who write in, I need to remind them that this story is an exception to the rule in wonderful ways, but also, again, that the best way to get over it would be to accept that it is over. Because even for your parents who got back together, they accepted that it was over and that's how they got there. Yes, I think you're right. If one of my parents had hung on to the other one and not moved on in their own journey, it's hard to imagine that they really would have ultimately gotten together again. I think in accepting it, you realize that you have to heal what's happened so far. And without doing that and looking at both parties to do that, I don't think you could move on, or if you did, it would probably only be temporary. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story, Dee Dee. Thank you for letting me share it. So once again, Brett, my older sister, is right. You can't really get over a breakup if your brain is still secretly thinking, maybe later. Because the only way later even has a 1% chance of happening, is if you believe it won't. The universe doesn't give you control of much, except your present. In the here and now, you have to assume that it's over and act like it. Go your own way. Let your ex do the same. If you want to wind up like the Montgomerys, know that it would have to be way down the road. You'd both have to be whole new people, in a very different place from where you left off. Sort of like meeting for the first time, all over again. By the way, if you're interested in hearing more about the Montgomery story, Dee Dee wrote a memoir about it. It's called My Music Man. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe. The podcast is produced, edited, and engineered by Amy Padula. Audio mixing by John Jenkins. Music by APM. Our executive producers are Scott Hellman and Janice Page. Special thanks to Joseph Tavares, Linda Henry, and Brian McGrory. So, I want to hear from all of you. Did you ever try to get back together after a breakup? Did it work? Send us a note at loveletters@boston.com or tweet at us at hashtag loveletterspodcast. On our next episode, our final episode of the season... I'll feature some breakup stories that you've shared with us during the podcast. And I'll talk to one of the biggest advice givers of our time, Esther Perel. I'm a super fan. And yes, it's finally time to go deep into one of my breakups with me and my ex. Be sure to subscribe to Love Letters on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. And we would love a review on Apple Podcasts, if you'd be so kind. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.